Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the Back of the Bus Session. Hello and welcome to the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. Today, I'm absolutely buzzing about this guest because she's very lovely and very talented. So let's dive in with Betsy B. (laughs) Yeah. Betsy B. Hello. How are thee? Oh, thee is good. (laughs) Thee is good. (laughs) I was thinking of saying that because you are into your drama and creative arts, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And... What else do you do? Let's just go through all the accolades before we go into the deep dive. Oh, okay. Um, so singing, songwriting, kind of my primary thing at the moment. Um, but I've done a bit of music tech, done drama, done a bit of musical theatre. Um, yeah, they're the main ones. You're very talented. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always gone down the creative route or did you ever sort of take to academia or um, encompassing? Well, I've always kind of done the creative route since I think I was six when it all started. Oh God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> early. <laughs> um, but then when I went to secondary school, I think I really did kind of find a love for just learning and that meant the education, the more academic subjects. Um, and I was definitely a bookworm at secondary school and I did enjoy the sciences and maths. And um, yeah, but then it was sixth form when... I was like, you know, I kind of want to really develop my creative side. Let's pick all creative subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you have a family that helped nurture that? Did When you were saying, I want to go down the creative side, to a lot of families, I suppose, there's resistance there and a bit of neurosis or worry of, oh, no, there's no <laughs> money in that. Mm-hmm. But were your family really supportive and said, yeah, go knock your socks off? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm very fortunate and very lucky that my parents and all of my family, I think they just love to kind of hear me do what I do. And they've just been so supportive from the start, really. Um, So I didn't have much resistance. My mum's a very good challenger and she'll say, oh, well, if you did this, what would that create? But my mum and everyone, they've always been, you know, do what's like good for you and how you're going to develop. Amazing. And... Okay, let's go to really young you then. Mm -hmm. And you said it came out at six. That's quite a precise number to hit. You were like six. So (laughs) was there a moment and a definitive point in time where you were like, hello, (laughs) I'm coming out as a musician here? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I went to Stagecoach Theatre School and that was when I was six. Um, And I've been there, well, I was there till I was around... 14. Oh, cool. Um, so really big on the performing side. We did singing, dancing, acting in musical theatre, in more mainstream songs, more commercial music. Um, and I'd just been doing horse riding before that. And then I was like, oh, actually, I'm going to change my hobby and do theatre. <laughs> um, which my mum's friend kind of said, oh, maybe Betsy will like it. And yeah, it all went from there. What took you to horse riding? Oh, I think that's more my dad's side. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He, he loves um, Do you the live country. In countrysides and around livery yards and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What did they plonk you on a horse from a really young age? Oh no, no, no! It's I'm not like a you know, been on a horse since I was two kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the the crazy ones. The people that are horse riders have they've literally been born and bred on that horse and mm-hmm. on they, they take nothing to keep them off that horse <laughs> my mum's had 
every broken rib, every broken oh, wow. bone, broken everything, I think. Mm. She had the, the muscle detached from her leg. Oh. She had a horse, I think, have a heart attack once and oh. land on top of her. No one was at home. And she was there for a couple of hours. And apparently the next day she's back riding. <laughs> just, wow. they're, they're a different breed of people. Trooper. But I was, yeah, probably a bit more like you. I got pushed on top of a, a horse and I thought, oh, this is all right. Okay, I've got a canter down. <laughs> but it, I think it really needs to speak to your soul if you're going to get into that. Because mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle, isn't it? I completely agree. Um I think because I was so young and, I mean, I really wanted to go on horses. I I watched Hannah Montana a lot, so I think... <laughs> Same. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good show. Um, so I think, I, and I still do very much love that country lifestyle. Amazing. So from the horses, then you're six years old and you go to this, what's it called? What school? Stagecoach. Stagecoach. That's local to your area. Yeah, so this was Mansfield Stagecoach. Uh, right. And what's the setup like? What what are you going into every day, every session? And that's trying to blossom this creativity and this side of you. Um, yeah, pretty much. It was just a Saturday for three hours. Um, yeah. So it was it felt long at the time yeah. <laughs> dedication um, yeah and it was lovely I mean it was relaxed because I'd be at school in the week and it'd be the thing that I look forward to the most out of the week and my mum would take me and it was just a, such a lovely three hours to meet different people creative people um and ultimately at that time build the confidence mm. and predominantly you're doing drama based activities yeah for a young person listening to this now, why do you think drama is a good route to go down? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think drama's just good because you kind of have to let go of any things you think you know or you don't know and you have to just dive in and not judge yourself or judge others um and you know you do lots of wacky stuff Hmm. and I think it's just so good especially around judging yourself and others to not do that and kind of learn more about yourself be really open-minded and see what you can do and try things I like what you said then about sort of wacky stuff and Mm. a silliness around it and I think we do live very functional we get that silliness kind of beaten out of us through school or education and being bullied and stepping outside the box Mm. but for me any drama class where it's encouraged to be silly make a mistake say something daft do something wrong because life is flawed isn't it Mm. and that's the the point of life you're supposed to go through it making mistakes learning from them but not fearing the making mistakes and drama pushes you and propels you into that making mistakes Mm -hmm. so can you think of some good activities where you were forced to be silly or wacky Ooh, I mean we did loads lots and lots um I think some of my favorites were always the warm-ups before kind of our mini shows um and I you must know this one. It's the penguin one where you do like... <laughs> Wait, you, you must know this. Yeah, the penguin one. Like, honestly, I don't know That's this. So no, that is really funny because not many people no, will know this. So we don't all go to drama school. Uh, so whatever you say now will be complete fresh to people's minds.
friends. Well, <laughs> you know what? I forget that. I think because I've always been surrounded by creative people. It's, yeah, I forget that. Yeah, it's true. No, that's a good conversation though. And it is true. Yeah. You get so immersed in what you love. You just expect people to get it and know it and understand it. But you have to go back into the infancy and talking about the very early stages of it to get people to get you a little bit more, don't you? So true, as you've just said. So yeah, you won't know this. <laughs> um, but it's basically where you kind of like shake your hands in the air and you count down um, and then you just keep counting down and then you get to one and then you jump up and do like crazy chicken. Um, so it's not even the penguin one. What am I on about? That's the chicken one. Yeah. The, <gasps> is there a penguin one? Um, there is a penguin one. Um, and this, oh, wow. Yeah, this is from when I was around six. Um, and you kind of like pat your left side, pat your right side. And you're waddling around and then you turn around on the spot. You have to shake your bum. Um, and, you know, it's like a six seven year old you're thinking oh no everyone's looking at me but it was just so fun to do it and when the teachers let loose you let loose and everyone's laughing and that's where the playful nature comes Mm. i i say this too much this anecdote uh but it was on the latest podcast he's a really good friend of mine and we're going to schools together and teach sort of there's another way in the mainstream education that's not being met and martin illingworth his name is and he wrote this book called forget school and it was a really simple idea. All he's gone and done is interview successful, quote unquote, young people from 18 to 30 that are self-employed and going out and making it on their own skin. And his question was, what did school teach you and what didn't it? And over the hundreds of people they interviewed, the commonality and the thing that kept coming back was confidence. Mm. I had to, outside of school, learn confidence. Mm. And there's nowhere in the curriculum that that really exists. It's all knowledge-based, very academic. Here's the question, what's the answer? Here's the question, what's the answer? You're not really encouraged to explore and think for yourself. Mm. But that's a real good need and proposal to why drama is so essential to always have within the curriculum because confidence is lacking more than ever now and it's more needed Mm. than ever to make your way in this changing forever changing world where ai's coming through and how do i position myself what's my purpose what's my passion Mm. for confidence to be able to seep through at every opportunity and be able to talk to people network it just keeps coming through so did you keep going into the creative scene and doing drama throughout your career um yeah so i've done drama from then up until now really Um, And I think for me, it just always enabled me to find different communities that Mm, were playful. That's another great word, yeah. Mm, um, Yeah, and just make me feel like uh, I belong to something where it's kind of, you know, like your own family. (laughs) Um, And like what you said with school, it it was secondary school when I joined the musical theatre community. And without that, because I went to school not knowing anyone, um, it literally gave me friends kind of from day one that are still some of my best friends now and yeah I think I would have been lost without that community yeah and an expression I always know when I've met somebody that's done drama down the path uh, on this podcast a lot of the time I halfway through I go 
did you go to drama classes? <laughs> and like, yeah, why? I go, it just tells in your whole personality, the way you hold yourself, the way you think about things. You're allowed space and pauses. You can tell I've never been to a drama class. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that then, what about the singing? Were you encouraged in drama to start singing and be in choirs and stuff? Yeah, um... So with Stagecoach, I remember um, there were two girls that got to do this mini project and they were quite a bit older than me. And they sang Wade in the Water by Eva Cassidy. Wade in the Water? Mm-hmm. How's that go a little bit? Oh, it's like... <laughs> Wade in the water. That one. Oh, that's it's nice, lovely. yeah. Um, I just wanted you to sing. Oh, to yeah. <laughs> I felt that. I was like, oh. <laughs> We could just do a whole musical on you. <laughs> Wheel in the water. <laughs> That's good. <Yeah. laughs> you made me good. I'm <laughs> just imitating it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I saw these girls sing that song. And I'd always had quite like a low register singing. Um, and it was the first song I'd heard where, again, it was low register. And I was like, oh, maybe there are kind of songs out there that could you know, kind of fit more to my voice type. And since that song, I kind of realised singing, especially as an alto, could, you know, could happen and I could maybe work with that. Beautiful. So you started experimenting with singing then. How did that manifest? Wow. Um, I think just all the time I was just singing lots of different things, trying to know my voice. Um, and I think that took quite a few years for me to really understand where my voice sits, how to look after it, um, what songs work, what kind of uh, songs I want to sing, what genres. Um, but from there, so kind of after Stagecoach, it was at secondary where I was singing more musical theatre kind of things and musical theatre showcases. Um, so they'd be kind of big ballads and they really kind of brought my confidence out and brought it on to kind of sing different things. Um, yeah, and it kind of went from there. Did you have a voice coach? Yeah, so it was at secondary school where I started having some lessons um, and she was a fantastic teacher and saw me through to the end of sixth form. Um, and yeah, she knew my voice very, very well and really helped nurture it. How do they go about that, a good voice coach? Mm-hmm. What do, is it exercises? Do they have to know you and how you operate? What's a good voice coach? I think it's all of the above. Um, I think knowing you, knowing how you work, um, but then also um, kind of knowing what songs are going to really fit for you and what you're going to enjoy singing. Um, I was really lucky because my teacher, it would always be about what you're singing about, which almost, even mm. though we'd go over the technical side, it made you forget that. And ultimately it was always, what are you singing about? What's the story you want to tell? And often that would kind of push through and you'd forget the technical and that was where the magic kind of happened. What would that do then? Just bring the emotion through with it? For sure. Um, focusing on the emotion of what you're singing and that can sometimes alter your tone and um, I think it allows for you to sing more naturally with the emotion um, instead of thinking like, oh, this line's got to be P, which is like piano, which is quiet. You kind of naturally do it because you know that on that line it's about something that's more secretive. So you naturally go quiet instead of thinking I've got to go quiet. <laughs> right. 
and what did you resonate strongest with in terms of emotion what songs could you sing best was it when it was vibrant and energetic or was it when it was kind of meaningful and somber um I think I've always been more meaningful and somber um I tend to find that the more quicker ones fast paced I can lose it a little bit um if I'm not kind of you know on it and on that flow um so the more slower ones I think it just allows me to really give time to every word I'm saying and what is it about that particular emotion though the saying the somber side of things and that resonating strongest does that mean in your sort of childhood and school times there was a bit of a somber feeling that you could reflect with a bit more and where did that transcend from if that was the case um I think as a child I was always quite the opposite I was never a somber child which is the really ironic thing (laughs) (laughs) so nice it's a good thing to hear yeah (laughs) I wanted to know that you were bubbly and happy but I just wondered as it came out into your music and that's what you seem to sing best with Mm -hmm. it made a bit of a sense to put a commonality of I wonder if you went through pain as a child Mm. and that come out in your music um no so it's I think the somber side it kind of comes from me being quite reflective I'd say I've always been quite a reflective child um I think often I kind of just go through things experience new things and not overthink too much which I really enjoyed as a kid but then afterwards I think oh maybe you know should I have done it that way should I not and I think I've always um kind of taken that time to really reflect on things I've gone through to just do the next thing a little more suited to me what Mm. feels better that's incredible so then you've got this vocal coach you're finding your sound and you're finding your style what was the first gig where she put you in front of and you were tested in front of a bunch of people that weren't just mum and dad and vocal coach? <laughs> Ooh, so the first one, I think, because she was a teacher, she kind of saw me within school. Um, so the singing that I did outside of school tended to be more just me doing that on my own. So she didn't actually get to see kind of when I was going down the singer-songwriter avenue. Um, so within school... I think it must have been, um, it wasn't Les Mis, it was definitely in a musical. I'd almost say, yeah, Legally Blonde, I think, was the first musical. Um. <laughs> Legally I, I was just laughing because you've got this 20, 28-year-old big bloke in front of you. But I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of muscly, <laughs> But I was laughing because... As a kid, do you know when you get stuck on a loop of watching a film? Mm-hmm. Mine was Legally Blonde, no and I don't know why it was. I must have been 12, 13, maybe 14, but I just really enjoyed that film. That's uh, brilliant. The, what was the, the Bend and Snap song? Yeah, that's Bend the one. Bend and Snap. Uh-huh. <laughs> just had a great story to it. It was that in Greece. Oh, I don't know why I didn't ones. become musical. I know. Oh, great songs. <laughs> So much in there, but yeah, what were you doing in Legally Blonde? Um, so that was playing Paulette, who does the Bend and Snap yeah. song. <laughs> Funny enough. Um, Did you have to do American accents? Oh, yeah. yeah. Go on then. A bit of a, oh, oh. <laughs> you're, you're my monkey today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do a song in an American accent. 
<laughs> gosh oh I, I had to work on that was it that accent no it was the accent for West Side Story that I really had to work on oh uh, um, that's very what is that New York is it yeah York, Puerto like, Rican mm. yeah oh of course yeah mm-hmm um because I was I played Anita um so yeah I said Puerto Rican Puerto Rican um oh gosh say what is it Puerto Rican Puerto Rican (laughs) (laughs) what did I sound like Puerto Rican (laughs) no that's good that's not bad yeah I said Puerto Rican um but yeah gosh the rehearsals for that I think in some I just sounded Jamaican it was I was really butchering the accent and Accents are interesting. How mm. do they teach you to do accents at drama school? Is it pronunciation of words and just changing the syllables up and so on? Do you really have to investigate language? Oh, yeah, so much. Um, in doing this course um, in Oxford this year with the drama school, which I did, it really showed how the research kind of just doesn't stop. It's, you know, it's looking at all the videos online. It's really getting... Um, the dialect right it's how you're using your mouth how they how they use their mouth muscles um going around people like that if you can it's yeah there's so much work to kind of do to get that perfect accent have you got a perfect accent you know what I'd say I've not I've not I've not invested the time to get a perfect accent um but I know some others that really do they will sit you know day in day out on YouTube and yeah it, it really throws me off when I see my favourite actor and he starts deploying an accent. And so I think Leonardo DiCaprio did it in uh, Django. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really strong, thick Southern American accent in there, I believe. Mm-hmm. Just my memory back to it, I think. But yeah, there's, I'm trying to think of a few more people that I've watched a film and then they come on, I'm really excited. They do this accent, I'm like, what what is happening? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to do that throughout the whole film, um, there's some act- actors that can really do that, but there's some that really can't. I think mm. uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just not the best actor, really, is he? <laughs> he can definitely write a story. Mm. Oh, amazing! But sometimes you think, don't put yourself in your own films too much. <laughs> so, did you get into doing film at all? Um, it was always something I wanted to get into, um, and I did touch on it a little bit at the Oxford um, course this year. We did some lessons in film, um, and it was so interesting kind of getting behind a screen and seeing how different that is to theatre, kind of, you know, you've really got to remain in your position and you've got to only have a certain amount of space to be free with your body, but depending on the directors, you know, um, they might want you to be more free or not be free and you can be restricted sometimes and it was yeah a lot to learn it was very interesting and which was your first big performance it was on stage doing that mm-hmm. or it was on stage doing the music Ooh, I'd say probably my biggest performance would be doing the music mm. um, it was Royal Concert Hall um, just before COVID, I think it was the March, um, and it was with a 50-piece orchestra singing um, my single, which they had arranged for a 50-piece, and it was, yeah, incredible. How do you go about a process like that then? Oh, um, like how to get it, or the rehearsals. Everything, everything. surrounding it. Um, so I very luckily met Nina Smith when I was 14. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, she's amazing. 
um, and she mentored me and um, really kind of let me see what the Nottingham music scene looks like and introduced me to a lot of people which was amazing um, and then this opportunity came about to perform with Limelight Orchestra 50 piece and they're going to arrange your song um, and I did it with another musician called Emily Mackis who she's incredible as well and um, yeah I can just remember going to rehearsal on a Sunday it was the first time I met the orchestra and they were so nice I can't say how nice the musicians were and they travelled from all over um, and you got this real sense of community within them all, which made it even more special. Mm. Um, and I remember they're like, oh, Betsy, just come up and give it a sing. Um, yeah, it was so much to kind of comprehend at the time. It was so magical to see that everyone had worked on it. Um, yeah, it was incredible. Do you get nerves performing something like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you sit with that and how do you channel that? Um, I think it's, I get the nerves kind of just before I'm going to do something. Um, so what I tend to do is I kind of, you know, look around where I am, you know, really feel my feet, make sure I've got good posture that, you know, I'm strong in myself. And then I kind of just forget within the first five seconds, it's like I'm in that world you get into your own world mm -hmm. and that's the process really being very mindful about where you are in that moment and then the first note comes out and it's this feeling of oh this is what I'm meant to be doing mm -hmm. that's that's For a sure. lovely attitude do you have any mantras or affirmations that you try and tell yourself before you get onto the stage oh I think I don't necessarily tell myself things, but I think physically, because I tend to feel the nerves in my body more than mentally. Um, so just before I did Splendour, I remember I was really nervous backstage with the boys and they were all chill, the band. And I was like, oh, I'm really, really nervous. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine. And I realised that it was more physical. I just needed to let it out, whether that was like shaking my body or doing some kind of warm up to get rid of the tension. Um, and then when I feel kind of just a bit more relaxed and I've got rid of that tension, it tends to help. What do you attribute nerves or anxiety to? Do you think most people think the worst case scenario is going to happen? Is that why they get into a bit of a frenzy and state? Um. For me, I think it is kind of the adrenaline. I think mm. it's, there's so much adrenaline and excitement before I go on. I think sometimes it's just hard to sit with because mm. it's just so exciting. Um, and I think I've never kind of, I've been lucky that I've never thought, oh, what if, you know, I mess up. Mm. Um, but I think sometimes, depending on kind of the gig, you can, it, I can see where you can easily think like that. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it, it is just more containing all that excitement. So when you perform a gig like that, it was the Royal Albert Hall. Concert Hall. Concert Hall. You perform in there in front of how many? Oh, it was quite a lot. A couple of thousand. A couple of thousand. That's a big number. I suppose at some point it stops becoming a number, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can notice like two, three hundred oh, now we've got to a 1,000. But when it gets to like five or whatever, you just see lots of faces, don't mm -hmm, you? For sure. But when you perform that, do you ever feel this feeling afterwards that, oh, 
I thought it would have felt a bit more special. I've been building up to this moment and there wasn't really this great esoteric feeling that come from it. Or do you feel that massive afterglow? How does it go for you? Um, again, I think I, I am fortunate that I do I do feel um, that kind of afterglow, as you said. Um, I think more than anything, it's it's not necessarily how the performance went. It's more like a, a well done for, you know, the team and I, after all the weeks of hard work. Um, so I think kind of despite what's happened on that stage, um, it is kind of just, well, you know, we've done it. We've gone through this process, this journey. Um, so why should we not feel happy kind of thing? Yeah. And do you write all your own music? Um, so for a lot of them, they are, yeah, pretty much all written myself on keys and vocal. But then if I take it to the band, I'll kind of say, right, this is what I've got. Let's add in more parts and they'll help create together a part for each instrument. Do you prefer writing for self and being on that sort of energy? Or do you like the collaborative feel for things? Um, I think this is a easy answer to say. I love both. Um, it's a good answer <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I do definitely love it when it's collaborative because it's just so fun to see where you can take something um, but then I do kind of love the just sitting writing seeing what I can come up with myself um, yeah and with the lyricism what does that look like in the creation of do you come from experiences a lot do you write in third person, talk about life and what you're seeing in exterior world? What are you writing about? Um, I think a lot of it has come from experiences and then sometimes not even my own experiences, other people's experiences and their stories. Um, and in a few of my songs, I kind of write as though I'm watching mm. um, or as if I was that person, um, which Silent is cool. observer. Mm. I like that. Yeah. How do you describe your music? What What's the sound? I'd say the sound, it's still kind of changing and evolving. Um, but primarily, I'd say it's kind of big, big band ballads. Um, Sounds nice when you say that. Yeah. Big band ballad. Freebies. <laughs> 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 we love alliteration on here. <laughs> So did you go to any creative writing courses to sort of develop your artistry into lyricism? Um, so creative writing, they're actually the courses I've not done. Um, but it's areas that I'd really love to keep developing in and go into more workshops. I've invited you to one. I know, yeah. <laughs> I've got one on a Friday night yeah. soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, because I think when I was younger, I think I just used to write music and not overly think about each kind of part of it the lyrics the music the production and as I've gotten older I've really realized you know how much time you can put into each section to get each bit crisp mm. um so it's been more recently that I've really looked more into the lyrics yeah and with, with doing that what makes a really good song for you on your Spotify playlist you're scrolling down think about all the songs that you tend to always go towards mm -hmm. do they have something in common I think they do um a lot of the artists that I like I'm a bit of an old soul I kind of really like artists like Tom Jones Ooh. um Etta James yeah 
Um, and I think it's Sam Cook. Oh, it's Reading. Yeah, the yeah, soul for stuff. sure. Oh, yeah. You can come back. My mate's got <laughs> loads of tattoos on him, and he's got all the old schoolies on there. No way. Sam Cook. Oh, it's Reading. Oh wow. Biggie. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> pretty old school. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think they are kind of soulful. I think that really shows in their lyrics. I do. I love old sort of lyricism and back in the day that that the vibe was just get together Mm. have a good time Mm -hmm. be in love but they all got to say it in their own way and there is something that and that was mainstream though Mm. that was the consensus that Mm -hmm. was what everyone was in and doing and feeling and it did it it emanated and built that feeling the stuff that i can hear now in the mainstream I love lyricism. There's just something I've always navigated towards in a song is what are they saying to me? What's the meat of this? Yeah. And that seems to have taken a bit of a knock Mm. of recent. It Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like there's any emphasis or bother in what are we telling the people? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I agree. So do do you make sure that you are conscious of that when you're writing? Yeah. Um, I think it kind of comes with like how I tend to write as well. Um, I just, and it's similar to kind of, you know, how the oldies used to write, kind of the get together, what am I feeling? Mm. Which feels really connected, you know, kind of going, what do I want to write about? It shows testament to them times, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not saying there wasn't hardship back then. There was a lot of the Great Depression and so Mm -hmm. on. But really when you listen to the music and you listen to what was going on in them times, there was a lot of togetherness, a lot of community. Mm. And I think now if I reflect to lyricism, it's a little bit more showboaty and boasting and just, I am the shit. Mm. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, okay, there's got a place for that. Mm. And... Uh, you know, certain scenes really adhere to it than others. Yeah. I'm thinking of the grime scene now. Yeah. It's all about just being the, the man, mm-hmm. being the fire. And you're like, okay, cool. But what's the consciousness spilling out through here? Mm. What are people taking away? You know, mm-hmm. it's that Sam Cooke. I was born. And you're like, oh, yeah. feed my soul. Straight away. <laughs> it's in here. For sure. Uh, where my family? Get here, guys. Yeah. Let's feel this Aww. together. Where mm-hmm. my mates? Um, yeah, so that that does definitely transcend and come across through old times to new. I agree. I like I like this conversation. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you feel like your music started propelling? Was it after that gig that you did at the concert hall? Do you you're seeing thousands of faces? You've just had the gig of your life. You had the afterglow. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So what journey did you take after that? Um, so after that, I mean, COVID hit and it hit hard. Oh, the, the, the what word? <laughs> it feels so weird saying it now. I listened to an old podcast I did this just the other day, just hear how I built from it mm-hmm. and how it's grown. Uh, it must have been like episode six and we we're saying Corona. And I felt like an old granddad. <laughs> like, corona. <laughs> COVID's God. the cool way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, sure. I just kept laughing at Corona. I was like, that must be really new. <laughs> corona. Oh, yeah. Um, so that hit, mm-hmm. but you've just sort of ready to go into action for music. Mm-hmm. Did that take a bit of a knock to your confidence then? or? 
Oh, I think it did. I definitely do. Um, I think because COVID was over such a long amount of time, um, it yeah, it definitely did. I think at the start it wasn't bad because it was like this new experience and everyone's doing these videos from home and you had time to kind of do your craft more. But then, you know, after a few more months, I think just not being around people and you're kind of having so much time by yourself... It, it did, even though I'd like to say it didn't, I think it definitely did. And what did you do then through these hard times? Did you take a bit of a backseat, slob out, watch Netflix? <laughs> or did you have a bit of a think to yourself and think about how you're going to position yourself in these times and utilise it for your potential? Um, I think I wrote a lot. I can remember that um, I just kind of make rough demo after rough demo. Um, and I listened back to them actually the other day and I didn't, I can't, well, I've, I've not remembered actually all the different songs which I've written. And I think I was just feeling so many different things week on week and I just put them straight into the songs. Um, so listening back, it was, it was really interesting to kind of hear what I was singing and feeling at the time. Um, so I guess I use the time, but those songs feel so personal. It was kind of a time for me to write and let that kind of just be for me. Do you sometimes write then just for you? Yeah. I think that's important to recognise as a writer that you need to think about what the audience want and keep it entertaining and not go on too much jargon and just make sure every word has a place in that piece of art. Mm -hmm. But then also it is nice to have a place for yourself. Mm -hmm. And they're probably the most powerful pieces of art you'll ever write is the ones where you're having a conversation with yourself mm -hmm. and to your soul and that they never have to be seen by anybody again but that's a good exercise to go into your writing when you're thinking about what the audience want to hear too mm -hmm. so you you do both things there did you find it did help you then writing those pieces and what started to come out into your art to be seen yeah, I think it definitely did. Um, I remember one song which was called Little by Little. That was probably my favourite of all of the ones I wrote in COVID. It, it was just so um, lyrically accurate. I don't think I'd ever kind of communicated. That's a nice, lyrically accurate. <laughs> I love that. That's a really nice way of putting it. I know, I wasn't sure actually how that come out. No, but... <laughs> it suited, yeah. Lyrically accurate. It's, a, it's meaning exactly what you wanted to say yeah literally that hmm. um which i'm gonna nick that, that. <laughs> do, honestly do it a hundred percent lyrically accurate. i've never said it before them two together make such a nice accompaniment mm -hmm. okay and then we do you have a bedroom setup are you recording yeah little bedroom setup um and i mean it's nothing crazy it's like my laptop little midi keyboard oh i've got one of them have you never used it oh, really? i got it in <laughs> again covid times mm -hmm. uh two three years ago uh but i just found it was as easy to type on my keyboard yeah. when i'm using logic but yeah because you kind of do have to have a bit of a setup mm -hmm. and at the time i was just doing youtube tutorial oh, so okay. my macbook was in front of me bowl of cereal there, nice. <laughs> I was doing there. But were you doing a similar thing then you were learning at home mm -hmm. yeah. midi keyboard midi macbook what what mic were you using um, I think it was literally just like a sure kind of one you take gigging microphone um, and just plugged it in. So then you're learning 
the music tech side of things. Mm -hmm. Have you got Logic or? Yeah, I got Logic. I think I got that in COVID, which was like a yes moment. So are you doing YouTube tutorials too? So is it making them? Yeah. Oh, I've never made a YouTube tutorial. No, oh, sorry. Are you doing them to learn and advance your oh, skills? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, when schooling picked back up as well, even though it was still online, I kind of learned through the music tech A level. Oh, so you got a bit of both sides of the spectrum. Right. And are you doing your own music? That's what you're producing. Mm -hmm. Or are you just doing that for escapism and fun? Um, I think, again, it was a bit of both. I think I wanted to learn to kind of understand more about the produ production to bring that to my music. But then also it, it is nice when you kind of just have fun with it, kind of no aim, see what you can create. Just play. Mm. And what can you play? What instruments? Um, it's piano and guitar. And I'd say quite basic. Um, I'm very much like a chordal person. And then I might do some twiddly bits with the right hand. Yeah. <laughs> So optimally, would you just be on a stage singing mm. and enjoying yourself? Yeah. Don't have to think about instruments or anything like that. You just want to be in the front with the mic, giving it your all. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your direction then with music? I know I've seen you on Spotify. Mm -hmm. You've got a debut track out. Mm -hmm. Not much else. No. No, and that wasn't an attack. No, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but how come? What have that been taught to you? Have you had conversations surrounding that? That oh, don't convolute yourself. Don't put too much out mm -hmm. and saturate it. Mm -hmm. Just put the best possible stuff out. Or was that conscious decision through you of I only want to put my best stuff out? I think it's a bit of all of that. Um, after COVID, I think there was kind of a pause on getting in like a proper studio and recording that way. Um, so there was definitely a pause after then. And then I think when we kind of looked at the songs I had, a lot of them were the personal ones. Some kind of just didn't feel right to release, um, just to keep them personal. And then kind of from there, I start writing other songs, which they are ready. And I'm kind of in the process of getting back in the studio now. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of definitely knowing what songs in the right timing to release as well. Um, but I know what you mean. There's kind of two mindsets, There's which I've always been in. It's that kind of, do you wait and every piece almost feels like, yep, there's nothing more I can do on that, which takes more time to release. Or do you do the, I've got tracks, let's just release, release, release. Mm. Um, and I'm still kind of learning myself which one is you know suiting. finding the balance within it mm -hmm. it's very much down to who you are as an artist and what you want out your artistry i suppose mm -hmm. if your art to is just to enjoy it express put as much out as you want to and you're not looking at particularly going on a direction with it other than enjoying it mm -hmm. then you can put as much or as little as you think out but i suppose your focus or want is to be a professional musician mm. so there does have to be a tactic and approach and surrounding that I suppose mm -hmm. so do you have managers then is it is Nina the main person for you that gives you the best advice and so on 
So Nina was up until um, it was September last year. Um, and she kind of was my manager, my mentor, everything. And then when I went to the drama school, that got put on a pause and we're still there. Where I've kind of gone a bit solo now. Yeah. Um, which has been nice to kind of really, I mean, I've had to manage myself now, which has been like a whole other kind of experience, but it's been good. Um, I think for me to kind of understand the industry a bit more. That's a lovely way of putting it. And what, I speak of this to a lot of musicians and particularly young musicians. The term and phrase make it comes up a lot. I want to make it, Mm. make it. What does that look like for you? What would making it constitute as? Um, I think for me, making it, and again, it's a phrase that I'm not really keen on either. It's quite elusive, isn't it? It is. Arbitrary. (laughs) It really is. Um... I think for me, as long as I'm still really enjoying everything I'm doing around the music and I'm still happy with the releasing, the messages that I'm kind of sending out there, then I guess I'd say that's making it. Um, I think, you know, not making it would be me doing lots of things and me not enjoying it, not enjoying the process. And it's all about that end goal. Mm. Um, Yeah, which I'm really not kind of for. A lot of people get caught up in that, don't they? Mm. They put a massive emphasis on down this line when you're probably in another country in a mansion with a nice car Mm -hmm. and you perform to thousands and thousands of people. But you even hear those stories online and you listen to those interviews and so many famous people go, oh no, I was sold a line, Mm -hmm. got all the way here, so I missed the dance on the way. And that seems integral. So at such a young age, to be handed that amount of consciousness and evolution in the stories it's beautiful so have you had to work on your mentality a lot oh yeah a lot a lot I think um covid was when I really got to understand my mind a lot lot more um the good the bad and um awakening yeah it really was um but I'm so grateful for that because I've yeah the mind's such a crazy place um so yeah, lots of self-help books, lots of podcasts, just constantly learning about it. What's that noise? Sure. A few minutes later. Right, I can edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you know what I put when something like that happens? It's the um, SpongeBob 12 hours later. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so we are back. <laughs> And we're talking about mentality. Sorry, guys, we had to go because my phone went off and we thought we were submerged underwater for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure we were dying. I called quits to both of us. And I like that at the final moment, we're both smiling. I know. <laughs> yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice thing to talk of mentality there too. And we're both like, yeah, game over. But it was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what are you doing in terms of your mentality? How are you exploring that? Um, yeah, so kind of podcasts, um, and just researching about other people's minds and what they've discovered. Um, and the biggest thing I'd probably say at the minute is stillness is one I really like. Mm. Um, in just time with how busy the world can be and new challenges that get thrown at you, just making sure that I've got time to sit with myself and really see how I'm feeling about these situations um and to not put that onto other people to ask myself that's sitting with yourself 
Um, and I'm enjoying that now. And you embody that and it oozes from you. <laughs> Have you always had stillness ingrained in your life? Is that through parents showcasing it or so on? I think I think it's a mix. I think my family, we've kind of always had that element of it, um, especially around others. I think we can kind of really speak to ourselves when times when we need to. Um, but then I think there can be another side where we're very open family as well. Um, and we kind of can talk for ages, which has been such a beautiful thing that we can share our thoughts and feelings with each other very openly. Um, and there's no judgment there. But I think um, through COVID, I think we've all kind of learned, especially myself, that even if, say, family members can't be there or people can't, you know, be there to listen, can you do that for yourself? Um, and I think... At that time, I'd say I couldn't. I don't think I'd even tried to kind of sit with myself properly. Um, and now I'd say that I can, and it, it is a really beautiful thing. Mm. The, the thing that comes across with you, though, as well, because you're going on loads of stages, you've got this music out, you're working on yourself a lot. There's a lot of resilience there and tenacity, and you work really hard. Often... When you hear that in someone's story, it's because they're compensating, because they've had hardship in their life, or they've had maybe parents that haven't allowed them to have open spaces, and then they've had pain or upset and anger and things have brewed from it. You sometimes find with people that have had archetypal, and what I want for everybody is an archetypal, nice lifestyle, home life existence, but a thing that can potentially lack, and this is a bit of a generalisation, but mm. can happen, is if you've not seen what I just expressed then mm. in your life, it doesn't make you push really hard in directions, mm. but you seem really driven. Mm -hmm. What makes you so driven? Why do you want to succeed so much? Um, well, yeah, actually, there's a few interesting things there. I mean, I think, um, and that word you said, was it archetypal? Archetypal. Um. So I'd say I very much kind of had that lifestyle up until before COVID. Nothing drastically went wrong. I lived a very safe, happy kind of life. But then it was COVID where kind of challenges came and my parents, they divorced in COVID. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's all right. Um, so I think that kind of really brought on where all this kind of, you know, looking at myself for sure. Um, and I went through my first breakup then and it was like everything all at once. Um, but again, as I said before, I'm still really grateful for that. So that's when it felt a bit more chaotic, which I hadn't experienced before. Um, but again, as you said, I am really grateful for that, but I'd almost say that's not the bit that drives me though, even though I've had that little kind of touch on that. Um, I think the drive is kind of... I think it's just that place of kind of wanting to experience things and experience life. Hmm. Um, and I, I'd say, you know, I'm not really into trouble. I'm not one that kind of wants to dabble in trouble and, and do naughty things. It's just how I've been. But I find that through these new experiences and pushing myself in uncomfortable ways, but in ways which I see as better and healthy for myself, mm. but which is still hard, I find that that's my little, you know, cheeky trouble by doing that. Um, 
so I think it's that it's doing the difficult things but which I know that are going to be good for me as a person to grow dude that's that's going to be a snippet of the podcast. <laughs> I got such a good feeling oh. I was thinking, oh mate the the young people that would benefit from hearing what you just said then is such an important way about it because mm-hmm. spending your time on bettering yourself and learning something hard and the challenge in that and then the reward after and the Mm -hmm. accomplishment and the pride that you feel feels so much stronger and lasting than just going on the park getting hammered Mm -hmm. having a fight sleeping with somebody and getting the police down to the park It, it is exhilarating at the time but it's the aftermath of the depletion and the hollowness that you get from that Mm -hmm. but the other way literally sets you for life and yeah I I just really love that about you and I think (laughs) it's important for people particularly young people to understand there are those two ways about it Mm -hmm. um so yeah that sounds like something that you've just picked up along the way and discovered Mm -hmm. um and well done you (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) Um, the the other thing you spoke about was podcasts and audiobooks Mm. and something we were speaking about before and I was like no way did you just mention that. <laughs> uh, but one of the books was uh, Chimp Paradox. Mm-hmm. Do you know who wrote that? Somebody Peterson. I want to say I do. Peters. Um, Jordan Peter. No. Somebody Peters, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> we'll go with that. I'll pop it <laughs> in, guys. Um, but was that the first sort of self-help and self-development book that you went down the path of? Um, I don't think it was. I think there was a few which I tried um, like a year ago. Um, I think there was one called, can I swear on this? Oh, please do, yeah. I think I've said three. Have you? I think I've said shit, fuck and bugger. (laughs) It was called the the Fuck It book. Um, Oh, yeah. If you've read that. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's different, I believe, sizes of that book. mm -hmm. So there's one that's more done in pictures. Oh, cool. I believe. So I've I've seen that. I like my books in pictures, mate. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I have got a little copy of it. But I think there's a real in-depth book of that too. Mm, So did you do that one? Yeah, I think it's that one. But actually, I think I started it and didn't finish it. It's sort of like not giving a fuck, is it? Or is it called Fuck It? I think it might literally be called Fuck It. I love love your hesitance to swear. It's so sweet and pure. (laughs) It's Fuck It. That's so funny. So you read that? Uh It hit inside it. it... No, it was. um, I think I started it, but I didn't finish it. Mm. Um, I think I can't. (laughs) You were like, "Fuck it." Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was like, "Right, I understand the book now. One page done." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it was just a mindset which I, I hadn't had before, Mm. Um, and I think. In some ways, I kind of liked that attitude, but then in others, it something about it felt quite aggressive. And not you. Yeah. And if you're not being authentic, that's it. And it's not who you truly are. Mm-hmm. Then, and that 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 takes a lot of awareness to be able to go. Okay, I see this has got its place, mm. but I'm gonna make this contrived if I try and deploy it. Yeah. So there must be something more suited to me. For sure. Mm. Um, and then I think it was Chimp Paradox, which I read. So that was this February. And it just really rung true to me, um, especially with kind of the emotions we feel and how you can be aware to them 
and kind of still meet the needs of yourself, but how to control it as well. Mm. Um, and I just found that imagining that chimp, I'm quite a visual person. I like to, when I read things, I, I very much kind of see what I'm reading. Put yourself in there, mm-hmm. like Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> Love that film. Don't get too far in there though. No. <laughs> you get lost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like to visualize things and it just helped because there's diagrams in the book and you can see your mind in this different way. And it's so nice to be able to look into that. And what did you notice then in yourself that this book was saying? And what did you learn? Um, I learned not to, I'd say, kind of when I feel something. Um, and this is kind of linked with kind of you know, women going through their menstrual cycles as well. I think I was still really learning about myself um, through that because I, I kind of hit that quite late. So I don't think I had fully kind of understood how that was affecting my emotions at different times. Um, so it was like almost two things that I was learning about, but the book just kind of really helped me to go, when I'm feeling a certain way and feeling a lot of something, that might come out in ways which I'm not necessarily happy with. And how can I kind of, when I feel that, how can I best help myself to harness that energy Mm. um, and make it something better or serve it in the way it needs instead of feeling it, being scared or fearful and then doing something completely opposite to what actually I need to do. That's ace. Mm. That's really good advice. I'm so, I downloaded it today before you got here. And then you mentioned it. It was because of that podcast yesterday that I was recording for someone. Mm. And the way that he was articulating and explaining it just was ringing true with me. I was like, I do that. I do that. I do that. Uh So this book was a big discovery for you then. Yeah, for sure. And do you try and live by it as much as possible? Does it come into play a lot in the day where you realize your monkey minds started to get in the way and it's convoluting or or making your day harder than it needs to be Mm -hmm. I think um it's kind of always with me um from reading it back then to now um and I'd say I really needed it at that time then and as kind of the months go on I feel like there's something new I learn about myself and then I kind of try and seek other kind of sources of wisdom to help them with that new thing it's like a beautiful pick and mix isn't it yeah for sure and the great thing with pick and mix as well is sometimes you grow tired of the sweets and you Mm. can throw them out too and i just feel a lot of people nowadays they get a thought process Mm. or an opinion and they wear it like skin yeah so it's attached to them Mm -hmm. but if you can have it like clothing Mm. it's cool and it can get hung back up for a little bit and if it needs to come back out it gets put on and some clothes look a bit outdated and overworn, but it's yours too, so you can protect it. But if you were protecting your skin, it'd be a different energy that you bring across. That was good. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a great I one. I feel like me and you are mates. I know, like, we're, me too. Uh, we're in on this. Honestly, I'm writing that down. Yeah. Like, wow, like clothing. And that's so much better. Mm. Um, recently, I listened to a podcast and it was kind of on about diet culture, which is, you know, another massive topic. Um, and they were saying that when you kind of go on that diet, you don't realise how all of a sudden you're in this routine, you can't eat these foods and this obsessive nature builds. Mm. Um, And that's almost like wearing that skin. It's like, well, if you don't wake up at that time every day, oh, that's bad. And just that constant feeling of having to stick to things, if you don't do it, you know, you're bad. It's, yeah, it's not, you know, to me, healthy. It becomes a detriment to your life, doesn't it, actually? Yeah. And I think, I mean, 
I've had so many different cycles of life and unfortunately for me, I did go on a path where I damaged myself a lot. Substances, mm. after mm-hmm. a breakup, I went on a real downward spiral. And one thing, I got fairly addicted to, particularly like marijuana and stuff. Yeah. Like marijuana. Doesn't it sound <laughs> funny when you say it like that? Um, but I think there's some really important questions to ask yourself, like... Is this really financially messing me up? Mm. Is it messing up my friendships? Is it messing up my family life, my mental stability? And I was going through all them questions and answering on very face value of, no, 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 fine, and then I carry on. But if you can really do the the rooted dig down Mm. and go, yeah, but really, is it? Is it? Mm. And that's where you've got to be reflective enough to go, okay, maybe this isn't good for me. Mm. So that, and that can come with anything, can't it? When Mm -hmm. you've got an addiction, just have about five or six, seven questions that you can ask yourself. Is this of detriment to? Mm -hmm. And then answer them honestly. Yeah. That's important. Mm. Have you ever thought about doing podcasts then for yourself? Because you really could, you, you clearly very curious and there's so many topics that you'd like to explore down so have you considered it I actually have um and that's why I was so excited to come here today I've, yeah been buzzing for ages oh mate well you smashed it yeah, <laughs> you know oh, thank you. <laughs> we're nearly an hour and a half in <laughs> no way I'm, I've got to turn this down there's a light shining through oh no hello me oh it's up there oh it's a bit bright it's gone really bright don't worry, we've got that camera there. Oh, fab. Um, I'll shut that Bless thing you, yeah. There. there he goes. Oh, wow. I'm back up. <laughs> I wonder how long that's been like that for. Oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> no. You'll look back second, second. Don't worry, in. I'll just keep using that one. <laughs> but, yeah, you doing podcasts. Yeah, um, I definitely would love to. Um, me and my friend, she's called Eva, she's a great friend, one of my best friends. She's got the same birthday as me. Go on, and when? 23rd of September. Ooh, I know, nice. I, I like it. Did you meet over birthdays? Um, no, we didn't. It was at a National Youth Theatre short course experience we did together for two weeks. Um, yeah, had the same birthday, very identical in personality, um yeah she's really really cool and we often have phone calls when we're both kind of in our oh life kind of phases and we need to talk and it's it's lovely to kind of have that friend on the other end Ooh, um, that rhymes i know <laughs> <laughs> write that one down yeah. you, you've got a big list today. <laughs> um but yeah we did speak about maybe maybe we should do this as a podcast um yeah what do you think the benefit of that would be do you feel the conversations that you two have are often very reflective then and you feel that could be of service and help to people yeah that they are very reflective um and I've got another friend Hannah who she's a very reflective friend as well um and I just know how much they benefit all of us and how that could be of use to others but then you know uh, sometimes it, it's personal as well and it's very much it works for rules might not work for others mm. um so there is that element too it'd be good for you to explore that i think mm. you you develop and learn so much in podcasts because editing it all back and listening to yourself you have to really look back at how you conduct yourself and how you hold a conversation and there's so much benefit in people 
being able to listen back and hear who they are as a person and and what they truly think because a lot of the time on here I just say things I don't even know if I believe in that thing (laughs) I just put it out there Uh and then when I'm listening back I get to really hone in on that is that my thought do you know what I mean? And yeah. when you do that in the day, you probably miss a lot of that. Mm. You're just putting stuff out and seeing if it hits, seeing if it fires and working with it. But the editing process is really quite profound. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you yeah. sold it to me. Yeah, that getting, was good. Honestly, anything you need help-wise, I'd love to help you on that path. Oh, thank you. you. Especially when you spoke earlier. I can't remember the exact thing we said, but I know <laughs> it was bloody good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thinking for young people in particular your voice would be one that they could not just resonate with but they could benefit from massively so thinking on that what other sort of podcast do you listen to um a big one at the minute i listen to it's um diary of a ceo with stephen bartlett yeah a lot of people have mentioned that one Mm -hmm. why is it so good um I think, again, the questions that he asks, and it's not the same for every person he gets in, um, which is really cool because you can tell he's done, like, so much research about the person and it's almost like he already knows but is intrigued to then further delve into what the person says. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think just that. And, again, the long episodes and each person he gets on, they're very different comedians, you know, songwriters and yeah passion fueled people yeah for sure that makes a good conversation doesn't it just two people Mm -hmm. really engaged on what is it to be passionate what is that process so something else you mentioned earlier um about hormones and being young Mm. did you struggle with your hormones then yeah so I did um so I didn't get a period till, well, I didn't get one. So I went to the hospital and then they found that um, I had like a hormone imbalance um, and that's why I hadn't started. So my puberty kicked in through the help of medication um, when I was 17, which felt and was quite late. Um, and it was kind of crazy actually how, not how different I became, but kind of a lot of ways that I always already was. Um, it's crazy because that was like me before kind of I got the balance right. Mm. You, you hear that particularly with a lot of women. I mean, we all have hormones mm. and they're a lot of the reason to our struggles or our thirsts or whatever it is. Um, but there's quite a few women that want to come on here and talk about menopause mm. and how that affected that they were in this relationship their life was in such a way and then just this dip overnight in essence but then how they found a trt so yeah uh, yeah testosterone replacement treatment is it or mm-hmm. is that trt Have you i heard think of it, it is uh, yeah but hormone replacements and so on and that completely switched them back mm-hmm. but it feels like we don't learn anything about this in education no in the self-development and all this world of who you are these are the hormones you're going to experience and how it may feel it's just not spoken about but that's why i feel podcasts are blossoming at such a a rate Mm. now is because it's free information on anything yeah and you just gotta type in i'm sure you could type in spoons (laughs) and somebody would be speaking passionately and avidly on spoons for a while Mm -hmm. um 
but it is it's just accessing the information that you need in that time Definitely. and that's all I wanted a podcast to be was exploring awesome people with awesome stories mm-hmm. and you've got that today <laughs> so yeah you're thinking maybe you'd go down the self-development path in a podcast yeah but also there's potential for it to wander wherever it wishes for sure yeah um in topics like you said I mean the kind of hormone imbalance for me I think it was a big part of my life and it still is so it's even with my friends it's an interesting topic to bring up and see how they experience it because it just is so different for every person um and how it affects their everyday life so Mm. it's it is cool to talk about Oh, mate. Well, maybe that's our next podcast together. It could be. Who are my podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just let's wander back to music for a second then. What's your next steps with the music? Where's your direction? Do you know, have you got a goal in mind? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's very much kind of what this summer has been and I've, done the rock city and then splendor um and it's kind of the first time i've done it with the band as well um and they're a great bunch of guys we've been together since year eight at secondary school i think two of the members and then the others i've picked up in different years but all a school band um and we're all connected in a few different ways um yeah we've just had like such a fantastic summer doing those venues and playing music together um, and I just kind of want that to continue through the next years. And we've got different kind of areas we want to go into, different venues we'd like to play, um, music that I definitely would love to release. Um, so they're kind of the different goals and keep doing it. And you're off to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Are you going to try and hit the open mic scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> Nailing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you spotted them all out? So I think I've got um, a list on my phone and I'm in like a Facebook group chat already. So I'm I'm undercover. I'm ready to get. <laughs> Is that your advice for somebody who's an artist and going into new towns and places? Uh, would you just say get on as many open mics as possible? Yeah, I really would. Because these open mics, you, you know, you don't know who's running them. And often they're linked with then a music organisation that runs in that city. And as soon as you kind of do those open mics, I just think it's the best way in for sure. Do you feel you understand the industry now then? Have you got who you are as an artist and where you want to go down to a T? Or is that always forever going to be evolving? Um, I think I'm, I'm starting to, you know, really understand the industry. I think I've got a really good start, but you know, it's, there's so much still to learn, which is the really, really exciting part and so much to learn about myself in the music as well. I'm really enjoying everything I know when I've done so far and what I am making, but I can just see that there's still, you know, different influences to be had on the music and different ways we can go. Um, and that's what's exciting. What about the filming side of you again and the drama? Mm-hmm. Do you think that will find its way back round? I'd love to think so. Um, I mean, currently, I think it's still there. I'm kind of planning a music video at the minute. Oh. Yeah. Um, and two of the actors, hopefully, that are going to be on board are friends from the drama school, and they're fantastic, and I knew they'd be perfect for this story we're creating. So it's fun how, even though I'm not acting, I can have more of like director role and still include it in the music. 
what do you feel to the director role? Um, so, like, what kind of things do I do? Did do you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, I think I do. Um, and I think that's where the drama's kind of always fitted in with the music. Often when I write songs, um, ones that I want to release, I do have, like, a music video or visual in mind. Again, kind of being that visual person. And I'd say now I'm only starting to kind of put those visuals to it. And that's cool. Um, have you got a music video out now for people to go see? You know what? I've not. It's going to be this, this one. This is the first one. Is the first one. Oh, but you can't really give any clues or tricks away about it. Do you want it to be? Oh, I think I could. You could? could? Yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, so the song, it's kind of based around two people, two young people where life's kind of taking them in different ways. Um, and through the shots that we're going to be creating, it's it's just really authentic shots of like a young couple, um, you know, those first walks that they have, those helping each other, you know, if they're doing schoolwork, all those like really little moments that kind of make that relationship as special as it is. Um, and they're both fantastic actors um, and it's going to be beautiful to capture them two together because they've got such a good friendship anyway um, and that's what makes it so fun. Have you seen much of this video yet? Have you? Is it being created in timelines or are you just going to book out a day get it all done i think with the actors it's very much going to be a day get it done get the majority of the shots done um and then the editing process to come afterwards excellent Mm -hmm. so have you picked your dream team all together then yeah i think we've got the dream team um we had like a practice day with uh, me doing some shots around nottingham of just me kind of walking around and kind of singing a few of the lyrics um, and we've got some pretty cool shots, so it's yeah, it's very exciting. Oh mate, I'm I'm buzzing for it. When, when, <laughs> when's this coming out? What's it called again? Um, so it's Train Stop, the song. Train Stop. And the aim for it to come out, I'd love to say end of this year, but again, there's no rush on it. I just want it to be, you know, it's like a lovely project to work on. Um, so if it could be end of this year, early next year. Why, why Train Stop? So I know it's confusing because it's like bus stop train station and because it's kind of about someone waiting at you know a train platform um but I think I went with train stop yeah <laughs> if that that felt like you were like why have I done that no honestly <laughs> the title's still you know tbc um, oh really <laughs> yeah it's one of them a lot of the songs when I've not released I feel like once you've released it's everything's obviously confirmed mm. and because it's still in that process um it's yeah it is a tbc okay well <laughs> maybe you can think of it after this we'll have mm-hmm. a bit of a chat but tra- train stop I mean I like buses mm. so I think something bus related would be very fitting but <laughs> <laughs> that's very much just me let's just before we do stop it then mm-hmm. let's talk about the social media side mm-hmm. do you enjoy it and how do you seem to conduct it um I actually really do enjoy doing it um I think it's so great that you can easily share you know your visuals your sound out there really quick um I think one side of it that's really helped me is is knowing that you know it's not me as a person that I'm sharing it's the craft that I'm sharing and it kind of just helps me detach and it doesn't become my everything Mm. um which is really nice so when I kind of see it in more of that in an authentic way, but in that more business 
frame of mind, it does just help. Do you feel it does become a bit consuming of you? Um, when you put it out there, are you checking it? Are you looking at comments? And do you try and really immerse yourself within it? Or have you found a bit of a code of conduct in how you're going to use social media? Um, I think... Like what you're saying, it is easy to be consumed because it's there at the click of the fingers, you know, all day. And you, especially with TikTok watching videos, it's, you know, you kind of have so to be immediate. doing it every day. Yeah, it really is. Um, but I think I kind of give myself time frames and I've got aims, but if they're not met, then I'll just re-pick it back up where I can because I still like to live my life away from the phone. Mm. Um, would, you, yeah. do, would you tell people who have got a business or they're in music or whatever it is a creative scene do you think tiktok's the way to be is that where you need to start positioning yourself or yeah what what do you think the best social platform is i would almost say that i would say yes for right now based off of what i know just because of you know how quickly people are growing and a lot of especially musicians who i'm following they are kind of getting bigger gigs and kind of pre going down the career field in a more quicker way through TikTok. Oh, hey. <laughs> <Bang>. <laughs> um, yeah, through TikTok. Um, so I would definitely say yes, but then I know I'm also aware that TikTok has been, you know, quite big for a couple of years now and it does feel like, well, people have already done it. It's that kind of stage of YouTube where people have did it, like already done it, but what's going to come next? Mm. It, it almost feels like that now. Yeah. Um. So also being aware that it's not everything and there are different ways to go about it. Um. Yeah. Oh God. So maybe I need to open up a TikTok account. <laughs> it might work oh, with dear. the bus and things. I think... Yeah, yeah, so many in there. Is mm. it, it's at what point do you stop? Because you got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You're always circulating, putting it out there, 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 getting messages. Mm. But I do understand we are quite youthful in what we're offering. Um, it's literally like a youth club vibe, most of it, mm. and we want to engage with those type people. So if that's more in the TikTok realm mm -hmm. you do have to give to your audience don't you so i'd say oh so. cheers mate <laughs> <laughs> drop you in it there <laughs> yeah you've just given me another job for the day <laughs> but yeah honestly i really appreciate you coming today i've really enjoyed you know like we're nearly done an hour and 45 minutes wow that's good going isn't it that's really cool. a two hours chat <laughs> and what what sort of when you listen to a podcast what is the time usually about an hour now you know what? Some are about like an hour, yeah. an hour 50. As I, I create stuff that I'd want to listen to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my days I'm spent on my own around in the farm, got lots of jobs going around my head. So I feel like long form podcasts are really nice because it's like a friend in the background oh, yeah. and a gentle hum in the day. So I love creating that because you can get into the, the root and the meat of a person, can't mm -hmm. you too? You can. Whereas when I've listened to... And I think short-form podcasts can exist and it's very precise and this is what we're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But I do, I've really enjoyed this venture with you today. So I really Me do too. appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
Okay, and where can people get all your stuff again? Um, so it's the Betsy B on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, um, and then it's actually Betsy Dot, which is still need to sort out on Spotify and iTunes. Oh mate, Betsy <laughs> Dot, what you gone and done there? No, it that's from the first release. I need to release another to change it. Right, hey, it push you down a path. <laughs> I'll do my bit. <laughs> Guys, you've been a part of the Old Farm Bus Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. I'll leave you on this. I always do. I always will. Just be nice to one another, you beautiful set of buggers. See you later.